Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. KD, my man, that was a nice little win for the Cowboys over the Niners, right? couple guys stand out. Tony Pollard on offense, Donovan Wilson on D. You look up, they've won two straight. The Giants, Eagles, Washington, they all lose. And, oh, no, no, say it ain't so. America's team is back in the playoff hunt. No, please tell me this isn't this isn't this isn't what I wanted for Christmas, my man. I did not want this, but the Cowboys are back in this hunt. They're they're right there. Just when you thought you were out, <laughs> they pull you back in. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> it is it is amazing that the Cowboys are in this position. Uh, it was a season that everybody assumed that they were lost. And you know, honestly, if they can pull this out, man, uh, a lot of people, including myself, are going to owe a lot of apologies uh, for some of the uh, suggestions that we had for how the Cowboys should have been approaching. Uh, things so far this season. They're, they're not out of the woods yet. It's still a very unlikely chance. I think they from maybe 1% to maybe 3 or 5%. I haven't even checked because it's still so uh, hard to believe that they're in this position. But yeah, they can uh, they can catch Washington. Washington has a game against Carolina. Carolina is going to be without Christian McCaffrey. They ruled him out. He's not going to come back from his injury. He's only played like three games so far this season. Uh, but yeah, they, they, Washington has drama right now uh, with everything going on with Dwayne Haskins. They, yep. they ripped the C off of his chest, off of his his uh, trip to the to the stripper bowl with his uh, girlfriend <laughs> celebrating her party, and uh, yeah, Washington's in a position where they could easily lose this game on Sunday. And the Cowboys, if they win against Philadelphia, have a chance in Week 17. And who would have thought that they were there? That they would have a chance to be here based on where they were earlier in the season? Oh, they're five and nine, right? So five and nine. You would, you would have thought they had a chance, KD, at five and nine going into Week 16. <laughs> Come on, this is just uh, this is just seasons this wild, but. Here's what I liked about the, the Niners win, right? Obviously, still without Dak. Then you're without Zeke as well. He He's a late yep. scratch. But the Cowboys don't only go out and win the game. They win the turnover battle 4-0, right? And they even get that C.D. Lamb touchdown on special teams, which we could talk about on the onside kick. I, I know there's some there's some kind of fun backstory to that. With I'm sure he came to the sideline looking to high-five people like, yeah, look at the play I just made. And everyone's like, what'd you do that for? So right. that, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I want to get into that. But Dallas is now minus six in the turnover margin category. And that doesn't sound great. And it's still they're still one of the worst in the league at it. But it was a lot worse. And actually, it could be worse because the Broncos are number one at minus 18. So the Cowboys are they're not the worst team at all anymore. And it seems like they're starting to kind of get that thing right. Or at least they're working on it. And that means there's definitely some buy in. And with all the crap that's happened to the Cowboys this year, I know that the coaching staff has to be preaching that ad nauseum. We got to win the turnover battle, turnover battle. For them to do 4-0 against a team in San Francisco that is pretty well coached. I like Kyle Shanahan a lot. I know they've got a, a million injuries themselves, but that's usually not a team that just craps all over itself. For the Cowboys to take it away four times, that was a positive for sure. Yeah, it's it's always great to have turnovers. It's very important, uh, especially when you're a team that's behind the eight ball, as the Cowboys are. Their offense isn't very good. And once again, we saw that uh, and Andy Dalton doesn't pass downfield. He misses wide open receivers. Uh, he doesn't even look at him. It's not a, that he misfires on his passes. He's not seen uh, wide open receivers. A passing offense is not good. But somehow the Cowboys have manufactured a top 15 offense since week nine. Now, you know, you might say that's no big deal, uh, but think about 
where the Cowboys are right now. They're on their second quarterback. They're on their second and third string offensive linemen. And they played the game without Ezekiel Elliott. And he's been hampered for the three or four games before this one. So for the Cowboys to still be in this position where they're having productive offense, it's amazing. But the turnovers help. And it's a little something that we like to call regression to the mean. The Cowboys were abhorrent when it came to being able to turn the ball over no uh, or, or force turnovers over the last several years. It's one of those things we're always at the bottom of the pile uh, when it comes to forcing turnovers. So to see them anywhere but in you know 28th, 29th, 30th place when it comes to turnovers is a sight for sore eyes. So they have seven in their last two games. They had three against Cincinnati on the first three possessions. They had a couple early ones here uh, in this game against San Francisco. Again, one on special teams, the rest on defense. You have uh, forced fumbles by DeMarcus Lawrence, who is playing out of his mind. He's playing probably the best edge rusher uh, of guys that didn't make the Pro Bowl. And we can talk about the snubs in a second. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he, doesn't have the st- he doesn't have the statistics that people are looking for, uh, you know, the high sack volume total. Uh, but he does everything else for this team. And, and he creates so much havoc in the uh, offense's backfield that he's definitely deserving of getting that nomination. Uh, but, yeah, they, they're getting interceptions. They had Donovan Wilson got his first to follow up. He's back after missing you know, uh, a handful of games. He's back in the lineup and he picked up right where he left off. Good. Anthony Anthony Brown got in on the action, got a turnover. Uh, Jordan Lewis is playing the best ball that he has all season, maybe in the last two years uh, in these last three or four games. So, you know, again, they're five and nine. We're not going to have a ticker tape parade based on the Cowboys. They're still, even if they somehow catch up with Washington, are going to probably be embarrassed in the playoffs. But it's still great to be able to have this amount of fun this late in what was thought to be a lost season. Oh, I agree 100%. And, okay, so C.D. Lamb is on the field on the onside kick for one reason, because of his hands, right? That's why he's out there. And the ball bounces to him. It's a little awkward. He picks it up cleanly and races off to the end zone for the score. And, Katie, if you're on the sideline, if you're one of the coaches, are you giving him crap for that? I am not, but I can understand the concept behind they, them not wanting him to do that. Right. The only thing, once you recover that onside kick, the only way that you can possibly lose that game is if he tries to return it and fumbles. That's the only chance that the San Francisco 49ers have to win that game is if Lamb somehow messes up. So the smart thing to do is to just go down, kneel on the ball, you know, kneel the ball a couple times and you're done. Victory formation, Tom Landry shift, everything is beautiful for the rest of the game but when you're in the season that the Cowboys are in and when you've kind of had some struggles over the last couple games like CD had before this game now he had you know some some incredible catches in this game but things have been a bit of a struggle for him recently why would you want to you know put a top on that kind of bundled up energy I think it was a great play he saw the opportunity he saw the path to the end zone and he just said screw it I'm going for it and he ended up scoring so I'm not really mad and I could probably see the whole idea of you want to make sure that everybody knows what you're supposed to do in that situation but I think once they got away from the players the coaching staff was probably like yeah that was probably a good play just the fan of me is I'm mad at everyone who's mad at him that's kind of how I am you know, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at but this is the week of the the snubs like this is the week where the pro bowl rosters come out and everyone gets to bitch and moan about the players that didn't make it and the cowboys are they're there too they had their own snubs let's talk about that coming up next fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends sit them start them these are the fantasy picks of the week it will kill me if this game ends in a tie i need this win this game's pretty much done with Corey bonini from the huddle.com 
Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays in the championship round for most leagues. Derek Carr left last week with a groin injury that was deemed a one-to-two-week situation, but he's been splitting first-team reps with Marcus Mariota. For all of the on-paper upgrades Miami made in the offseason, it has struggled to contain competent quarterbacks, especially dual threats. Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. All of them trounced this group, and even rookie quarterback Justin Herbert found success. Mariota is the better recommendation in the event he starts, just because we don't know what to expect from Carr's injury. But the matchup is right for either player. Sticking with the same matchup, but on the other side of the coin, running back Lynn Bowden of the Miami Dolphins takes on the team that drafted him in the Raiders. Bowden is a running back-receiver combo and can be flexed out into the slot. In fact, he does that more often than not. He's by far the most talented natural receiver out of this backfield, but keep in mind he offers nothing from the running game perspective, with just three carries in the last three games. Injury question marks with Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki leave this passing game a little thin, so it will be all hands on deck. The Raiders have given up five and a half receptions a game to running backs in 2020, and Bowden is poised to eclipse that mark. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Tyron Johnson versus the Denver Broncos. Injuries have slowed receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and it opened the door for the explosive Johnson to see more action. His 12 targets in the last two games after only nine on the year entering week 14. There's a ton of risk here, since he's a low-volume, high-yield type of player, but the Broncos have permitted 21 different efforts of at least 10 PPR points in 2020, and both Allen and Williams scored in the earlier meeting. Johnson is an intriguing flex flyer. Chicago Bears rookie tight end Cole Komet at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Understand by starting him, you're taking a tremendous amount of risk, and this is purely a flyer for a touchdown against a defense that has been atrocious at stopping tight ends in 2020. Only the Jets have allowed more touchdowns on the year to the position, and no team has given up scores at a higher frequency than once every 5.2 catches. But seven times the position has been held to 36 or fewer yards, which makes this the epitome of a gamble for a touchdown. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So I gotta say, Katie, this was surprising that the Cowboys had no Pro Bowl selections on the list. Like, zero? Like, that is... That does seem like a crime because yes, this has been a tough season for the Cowboys, and there's no doubt about that. It has not been it has not been great. And even though we're trying to make the best of a situation, like being five and nine and still not mathematic not even close to being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, there might be a path after this week. But for them, they have really good players. For them to not have a Pro Bowl selection is is kind of jarring, right? And do you take offense to that? I, I do in a sense. I, I, I'm one of those people. I actually termed it uh, on, in the headline that I wrote about uh, about the selections. They were kind of snubbed. Right. You know, yes, it, yes, you can't yes. really get too upset about the fact that they didn't have anybody named because, you know, decisions were, were made before they won their fifth game of the season. So they were sitting at four and nine effectively when the decisions were made on who was going to be there, when the players and the coaches voted and all that kind of stuff. So, you can't really be mad at people that looked at the Cowboys team and said four and nine, they get too much press anyway, because there's been year after year after year where the Cowboys get players that are named to the pro bowl or they get, you know, there, there's substitutes and the first people that come to mind are, okay, we'll pick a Cowboys guy. There have been years where Cowboys have had players that weren't deserving of going to the pro bowl and they made it. Most recently, Jalen Smith just last year made a pro bowl should not have gone. So in that vein, I can understand how when it came down to it, there weren't any Cowboys named initially Were there players that 
deserve to go? Certainly. You can make an argument for Amari Cooper, who's having perhaps the best year of his career, and he's made multiple Pro Bowls in the past based on the circumstances. He doesn't have the statistics that he normally does, but based on the quarterbacks throwing to him, him having 80 catches and over 900 yards right now is amazing based on uh, you know the pace that he was on with Dak Prescott and what's happened since Dak Prescott left the lineup. Agreed. Uh, another guy, DeMarcus Lawrence, we just talked about him. He only has five and a half sacks, but he also has three forced fumbles. He has a ridiculous amount of quarterback pressures. He has a ridiculous amount of tackles for loss. Uh, he is just basically doing everything that you can ask an Ed Rush to do. And in a vacuum, you'd say, okay, DeMarcus Lawrence doesn't have the statistics to make the Pro Bowl, but then you compare him to Chase Young, who made the Pro Bowl, and he's a rookie who has the exact same stats as DeMarcus Lawrence. So normally you would get some kind of veteran deference. You know, they would defer to the veteran when it came down to a tiebreaker between two guys, but they didn't do that in this case. So that's probably one of the bigger disappointments. Zach Martin has never not, he's never not made the Pro Bowl. Six years in the league, six Pro Bowl appearances, four All-Pro, two second-team All-Pro. Yes, he has injury issues this year, and the play around him has not been good, but Zach Martin is still clearly, if not the best, one of the top three offensive linemen in the league. He should have gone. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, he, you know, nobody thinks about him, but he has over 50 catches, over 600 yards, uh, four touchdowns, and he is playing at a much better clip than Evan Ingram, the New York Giants uh, player who got him. It's kind of the reverse. Evan Ingram seemed to get the veteran preference in this situation compared to what Dalton Schultz does, because this is his first real action as being a frontline starter in the NFL. But Evan Ingram leads the league in drops. So, it, it, well, at least he leads a tight end position in drops, I should say. He might not lead the entire league, but he's up there. It's he's close. considerably it's up gotta there. It's got to be. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, it's Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh, right? He's got the most drops. But Ingram has there you eight, go. eight on the season. Eight. There you go. Exactly. So, I mean, there are guys that you could have made a case for, but I think the biggest issue is the fact that this year, because there's going to be no game played, there are going to be no substitutions. The initial list is all that there's going to be when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Normally, guys miss out. They have a knee injury. They don't feel like traveling. They just want a vacation. Or even the t- the players from the two teams that are going to make the Super Bowl have to opt out because the Pro Bowl is the week before the big game. None of that is going to happen. So the names that were named on uh, Tuesday, that's it. Th- th- that's all that's going to be on a pro- on a Pro Bowl uh, list this year. And it matters because the Pro Bowl, you know, a lot of fans don't pay attention to it. They don't watch it, even though it's more you know, watch then a lot of uh, other sports, regular season games uh, and and, uh, definitely other all-star games. But it matters because players have clauses in their contracts where they get bonuses and they get kickers uh, for future years based on being named to the Pro Bowl squad. When it comes down to the Hall of Fame voting, Pro Bowl is something that they consider, uh, you know, probably not going to be an issue for Zach Martin, who is most likely going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But for a guy like Amari Cooper, this is probably a big deal, him not getting another Pro Bowl season on his resume. So, you know, again, it's not something that I would outwardly complain about, but there are some guys who had a case that could have been made no there's no doubt and some of those kickers you're talking about are like millions like some of yeah. these guys have like two three million dollar uh, clauses in their contract the non-guaranteed money the team's stuff in these contracts and yep. yeah it's insane how much money is actually tied into the freaking pro bowl and it, you're right it's something that even the players like when the pro bowl is a game guys are coming up with phantom injuries oh oh man i stubbed my toe i can't make it to the pro bowl right like i gotta drop out you see that all the time but this year it seems like there's more outrage or there's more like the pro bowl's been more of a storyline katie because it's the video game thing it's the madden thing so first of all the younger players probably think that's kind of cool and secondly like you're like you're saying 
nobody's going to be dropping out. So there's almost like this list has been picked apart and looked at even more than years past. I think that's been kind of interesting. Yep, exactly. It's the most exclusive Pro Bowl of recent memory. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those things. Normally you have, you know, again, Jalen Smith made it last year. There are years where people come down and they make it and they're like the fourth or fifth alternate that ends up making it and they get that bonus, uh, you know, or they get that that nod or whatever. And they've made some changes in recent years uh, about how they deal with uh, getting those sorts of bonus kickers and whether or not uh, that's included in a contract if you're named initially or if you're named as a alternate or, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, it, it's a big deal front and back, whether it has something to do with your bonus clauses or whether it just has to do with uh, feeling like you're appreciated by your contemporaries. So I think in recent weeks, I've been uh, I've been leaning on KD's energy. I haven't been super stoked for like Cowboys, Bengals, Cowboys, 49ers. Just have, I've, I've had a hard time getting up for these games, but I am excited for this game against the Eagles, not just because the Cowboys are suddenly back in the playoff race, but because I kind of like Jalen Hurts, and I want to get KD's take on that guy in this matchup. We'll do it coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of BetSlip and Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. It's week 16 of the NFL, and I'm joined again by Jeff Clark, my colleague. We're breaking down the Sunday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and Green Bay Packers. The Packers are three-and-a-half-point home favorites at Lambeau, minus 105 odds. The Titans on the road, plus three-and-a-half-point underdogs, minus 115 odds. Big game for both teams. Playoff implications all over the board here. Packers trying to hold on to the number one seed in the NFC. I'm on them to win by at least four points. Jeff, I think Matt LaFleur just gets his revenge against Tennessee Titans, even though things worked out pretty well for him. He can't be too angry at them. Yeah, I'm definitely sweating the Matt LaFleur uh, revenge game. To me, it's a toss-up with the offenses. It's a bit of a toss-up with the defense. I'm willing to concede Green Bay is a little bit better on the defensive end or more reliable. Uh, But the game just means more to the Tennessee Titans. Um, They haven't locked up anything. Not the AFC South, not an AFC wild card, whereas Green Bay has the NFC North all tucked away and could be looking ahead to the playoffs or just wanting to rest up, not giving a full effort. Uh, Give me the three plus the hook with the Titans. So the Cowboys, two-point dogs at home against Jalen Hurts and the division rival Eagles. And, Katie, I'm kind of a Jalen Hurts fan. I live out in New Hampshire. Not a lot of college football here. Can't say I consume a ton of college football, so it's, it's not that thing. It's just like, I don't know, I've gotten into college football more since the college football playoff came, and I liked how... Hertz handled the whole Tua situation to Alabama. And I thought it was impressive how he transfers to a completely different school and team and then leads that team to the playoff. Right. And I just liked the way he carried himself. And then just watching him since he's been named the starter in Philadelphia. And boy, do the Eagles look uh, brilliant, by the way. Picking him in the second round with Carson Wentz kind of flaming out in front of our eyes. It's like, thank God they have this guy, right? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with the whole Carson Wentz contract situation, but Hertz looks like he can play, and they showed, like, the B-roll of him pregame, and he just looks like he's got to look to him like, man, he gets it, and he's not afraid, and he's confident, and he's got a swagger to him, and then he goes out there, and I know it's not perfect. He's putting the ball on the ground. He's turning it over and stuff, but he's still having 300-yard games, three touchdowns, rushing for scores. He's been fun to watch, and... 
I want to be tuning into this uh, Cowboys-Eagles game, not just for the rivalry, not just because the Cowboys are still in it, but I want to watch more Jalen Hurts. Well, first of all, you're 100% accurate. Um, One of the biggest knocks on Carson Wentz was that the rumors, uh, and actually some players anonymously said it, and it was kind of pinpointed, it was Alshon Jeffrey who said it, uh, (laughs) but that the players don't seem to like Carson Wentz. They don't seem to think that he is much of a brother in the locker room. Uh, You know, he's not all in with them. He doesn't get along, not necessarily get along with them, but he doesn't mesh with the personality of the team. And Jalen Hurst is the complete opposite of that. He is somebody that everybody rallies around. You can see the camaraderie Uh, you know, as far as how everybody reacts. And again, nobody's, you know, on the field like dissing Carson Wentz. He's not going for high fives and people are ignoring him like he's Tom Brady or anything (laughs) like that. But clearly there was an issue there because you don't get that kind of chirping uh, when a player is having success. You know, the team is having success that that they had without there being some fire to that smoke. A funny story is that, um, you know, for those that are in Cowboys Nation, they're very familiar with the idea that ever since Jalen Hurts got drafted, Cowboys Twitter has basically called him the Eagles' number one quarterback. They've called him QB1, and it started out as a joke. I'm actually a part of a group chat, and it's uh, we're, we're very good friends. We've been in this group chat for probably five to ten years. It's a bunch of uh, Cowboys writers and, you know, uh, kind of influential people on Cowboys Twitter or whatever. And we've accomplished some great things. Uh, one of our members got the um, got the number to the Cowboys war room and called the Cowboys while the draft was going on a few years ago. <laughs> we had an entire investigation going on, uh, basically trying to figure out uh, some news that happened uh, during the draft with uh, Gary and Connolly. Uh, so th- th- we, we've accomplished great things. <laughs> but the thing that we're most proud of is that we started this entire thing of trolling the Eagles, calling Jalen Hurst the number one quarterback and saying that he was that Carson Wentz was going to be benched. And from the get go in April, everybody with the Eagles has denied this, that nothing like this was going to happen. The fans called you ridiculous, say they were upset that you were even talking about this. And lo and behold, now everybody in the Eagles kingdom is on board with replacing Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah. But we might have done the wrong thing because <laughs> Jalen Hurts is clearly better than Carson oh, he Wentz. Play. He can play, can't he? It's, it's, it's the worst thing in the world now <laughs> that it actually came to fruition. But yes, he is an impressive young man. Uh, you know, more power to him in every situation except for the Cowboys games. Uh, I, I would love to see him succeed and be the second best quarterback in the NFC East for the next 10 to 15 years. Oh man, hey, look, I could watch Jalen Hurts up go up against Dak Prescott all day. I mean, that's going to be fun for years to come if this is what yep. if this is what we're in store, but what do you think about this matchup? I mean, look, I mean, it's I could easily see the Giants going to Baltimore and getting their butts whipped. I could yep. easily see the you know, Washington, the football team as you said, losing to Carolina with all the crap they got going on. Their quarterback was running around at a strip club. I could easily see those teams go down, and then if the Cowboys just take care of business against Philly, which I don't think is going to be easy by any means. But they do that. We're really going to have fun next week talking about Week 17. But <laughs> what do you think about the matchup? Do the Cowboys have a, a legitimate shot to knock this team off? Yeah, I haven't seen the line in the last couple of days. I know that when it opened up, Philly was one-and-a-half-point road favorites this game. So people still felt like the Eagles were in a better position to win probably based on the fact that Jalen Hurts is right now a better quarterback than Andy Dalton is, or at least he's given his team more than Andy Dalton is right now. And I know that Hurts had several uh, turnover uh, worthy plays. I don't know how many he turned over, but I believe he fumbled it three times and had a pick uh, or somewhere along that line. Um, But but he had several turnover worthy plays, even if they didn't result in turnover. So the Cowboys have a chance based on what they've been doing recently to turn the ball over 
uh, get their offense additional chances to score. And that's going to be an imperative in this game because they really aren't going to be able to stop Jalen Hurts' ground game. They're not going to be able to stop Miles Sanders on the ground. Uh, the, the wide receivers are, yeah, they're, they're hit or miss, but the Cowboys have always had problems with the Eagles' tight ends. So if they're both playing, it's going to be an issue. Uh, it's, it's one of those situations where there is a path to victory. And again, everything else would have to go right. You mentioned it already. The Giants will most likely lose to Baltimore. They seem to have regained their mojo with Lamar Jackson, at quarterback. And Washington versus Carolina is a toss-up because you just don't know which direction that's going to go in. You know, uh, Dwayne Haskins has not been good. He hasn't been a winning quarterback. But you never know if just having this situation that's transpired will lead him to play the best game of his life. You know, because that's kind of something that can happen. He can go off the deep end one way, or he could be ultra-focused and want to shut everybody up and play the game as his life. So you don't know how that is going to uh, play out over the course of this weekend, but it'll be interesting to watch. And the NFL isn't stupid. After banishing the Cowboys to the early game slot, they were supposed to play on uh, primetime. They kicked them out of primetime because nobody wanted to watch them. And uh, San Francisco floundered around for three and a half hours, <laughs> which ended up being one of the most exciting games of the weekend, absolutely, by the way. Absolutely. But, but they banished them to the early slot. And now the NFL has uh, rigged the schedule to make sure that the next Cowboys game has importance. If Washington wins their game against Carolina, they have eliminated of both Dallas and Philadelphia. So the NFL shifted the Washington Carolina game to the late game slot just so the Cowboys and the Eagles when they kick off will have something to play for and play all of their players. So they went from kicking them to the curb to putting them on a pedestal and making sure that their players are at most you know the most tuned in they can be ever, so far this season. So I mean like I said this is manufactured drama but I am totally here for it when we know that it's going to be another nine months before they get to play another Game. So uh, let's all do day, it. man. All day. I'm a man. I gotta let you go. I gotta let you. You gotta get the kids ready for Christmas, my man. Right? Christmas Eve, right around the corner. Go take care of yours, and we'll get you next week. We'll see what happens, man. Maybe we'll have playoff chatter. Oh, don't 17. do it. Don't do know. it. <laughs> you never know, man. We could have it, but hey, uh, have a great Christmas. Have a great holiday, my man. All right. All right, brother. Same to you and yours. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.